Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 130th ever show of All Around Sports. Each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always... I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items. But today, it's not from this past week, it's from this past year as we wrap up 2013. Also in a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, happy holidays to everyone, and it was another great sports year, to put it mildly. Uh... So let me just jump right in. My highlight of the year was the Boston Red Sox winning the World Series. As you all know, I'm based right outside Boston, about a half an hour from Fenway Park. And got to go to my first ever World Series game this year, thereby completing my bucket list of attending uh, the the, the championship of every single major sport. And... So it was quite a thrill. In addition, I also got to see uh, an opening opening round game as well at Fenway. So uh, it was just a wonderful ride all year long. It uh, was so unexpected, given the previous two years of heavy-duty disappointment. And it just was uh, turned into this wonderful joy ride in the summer of 2013 here in Boston. And the playoffs were incredible, the postseason, culminating in the absolutely riveting World Series uh, against the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, more than a worthy opponent. I like to call them the New England Patriots of baseball. They're just there every year, and they don't always win it, but they're always there. But it, of course, had some crazy plays, none more so than the obstruction call uh, out in St. Louis, and uh, it was just amazing. Two games in a row ending like no World Series games had ever ended before. Number one was the obstruction call, Uh, and number two, the very next game, was the runner, the Cardinal, being picked off first base uh, to end the game. 
So it was just incredible. Uh, the highlights within the highlights of that World Series, in my mind, were when David Ortiz grabbed, uh, basically held a football pep talk in the dugout, something we've probably never seen before in baseball. And it was just absolutely riveting. And then Johnny Gomes, the heart and soul of the team, uh, the straw that stirs the drink, as Reggie Jackson once did for the Yankees, uh, hit the decisive home run. It turned the tide, and the Red Sox were rolling from that point on and uh, and brought it home. Uh, they won their first home, first World Series championship at home uh, since 1918. So 95 years. So it was an incredible day here in Boston uh, that night, followed by the parade a couple days later, the eighth duck boat parade in Boston since 2002 when the Patriots won the their first world championship. I was at that game in New Orleans when Adam Vinatieri's kick beat the Rams. So it has just been uh, quite the 11 years. Up here in the hub, I feel uh, honored uh, to be here observing uh, observing this unprecedented run for any American sports city. Uh, eight championships in uh, 11 years. It's just incredible. And the Red Sox, what made their season so unique uh, was leads right into my low light of the year, which was, of course, the Boston Marathon bombings. Uh, the Red Sox latched, you know, right onto that. Uh, within a few days, they played a game at Fenway Park where David Ortiz gave his fo- famous quote about this being our city. And the Red Sox just kind of rode that wave of emotion uh, all year long. Um, just incredible. Uh, how, you know, how they just seem to embrace the whole cause and visit with the patients, as did the Bruins, by the way, Um, uh, because they were in season as that happened. Of course, the day of the Boston Marathon bombings, I was, I had tickets for the Bruins game that night um, against the Ottawa Senators, needless to say, that game was not played that night. It was, uh, everybody has a story up here in Boston, needless to say. Uh, I myself have worked the finish line previous years at the Boston Marathon. And so I know the scene very, very well. And uh, I was headed to Florida the next day. So typically uh, doing what I do, I very well might have gone into the marathon. It was a beautiful day. And since I was already heading into Boston that evening, uh, you know, I've gone to the marathon finish line and and then headed over to the Bruins game. Fortunately, I was packing for Florida, therefore I did not go into Boston. And like everyone else, got the new got the email, and that changed everybody's life up here in so many ways. I mean, there's not a day goes by since then. It's been nine months now that that you know we don't. Uh, there's not a topic, and it, it's on in the news constantly. These uh, inspirational stories of the survivors. I was fortunate enough to attend the Boston Strong concert, where it was for me my 
uh, moment of the year. I think everybody had a moment connected to the Boston Marathon, everybody who lives up here. And mine was standing there watching, you know, everyone from the, the musical group Boston to Aerosmith to James Taylor and Carol King and, uh, Jay Giles and, but I was on the side of the stage and right in front of the stage were all these survivors lined up, uh, in their wheelchairs, what have you, with their casts, amputees, uh, all the, you know, People involved in the marathon, some of the uh, first responders who played such a prominent role, such as the guy in the cowboy hat was right there. They were all there, right in front of me, for four hours. And I just will never forget it, as long as I live. And uh, so it was just incredible. Uh, the Bruins, again, were right on board. I saw where the singing of the national anthem at the Boston Garden which was the first sports event played after the bombings, was uh, one of the top sports moments of the year, which I thought was just wonderful to see. And uh, the Bruins, you know, talk about sports moments of the year. I mean, when they had the Game 6 won against the Chicago Blackhawks in the Stanley Cup Finals. You talk about a team that was on a roll. They were on a roll. Of course, their epic comeback, greatest comeback in Stanley Cup history against Toronto in Game 7. Down three goals, tied it, and then won it in overtime. We'll live forever. And then, of course, the uh, Game 6 against the Blackhawks. It was basically... uh, Everybody was just waiting for Game 7. And then the Blackhawks, as we well know, scored two, two goals in uh, the last minute of the game to win the Stanley Cup right there in the Boston Garden. And uh, that was a moment none of us will soon forget. And my bizarre story of the year was, uh, I know, even though it was 11 months ago, it's still, uh, I said it then, I'll say it now, it, it may be just hold a permanent place in Bizarre, which is, of course, Manti Teo and the Notre Dame linebacker and the imaginary girlfriend. Hadn't thought about much him much, and then, lo and behold, a few weeks back, there he was, right on Thursday night TV, standing on the sideline in the San Diego Chargers uniform. Of course, he was the draftee of the Chargers, playing that game against the Broncos, where they beat the Broncos, and there was Manti Teo, and again, just sort of... Uh, jumped right out of the screen at me, and I, like a lot of people, probably forgot about him, but no one will ever forget uh, the media frenzy surrounding uh, his, his his online girlfriend, imaginary though she was. So, uh, but it was just, you know, quite a year for me. Personal highlights were uh, being down in New Orleans for Super Bowl week with the NFL, Nothing like it. Uh, New Orleans and Miami, in my mind, are the two best cities to uh, host a Super Bowl in, uh, but especially New Orleans because you can just walk right to the stadium. I mean, it's just the Superdome. It's right there. So that was a wonderful, wonderful week with great weather and just uh, tremendous. In the meantime, uh, I was just in New York uh, recently, and there's some real excitement starting to build down there. It's like the Super Bowl is basically 
right around the corner. It's imminent, and there was a certain energy in the city. I talked to a lot of people, asked them if they're getting ready, are they excited, and clearly they are. Uh, speaking, you know, so weather will be obviously the key to the whole thing. But uh, again, preparations are well underway, and I just mean with hotels and whatnot. I mean, everybody's just starting to gear up, even though it's still uh, before the holidays. So the minute uh, we get into the new year, it is just going to be uh, full, full steam ahead down in New York City and New Jersey. So. That's going to be interesting, going to be exciting, to say the least. Probably the event of the year that I covered that I really just enjoyed immensely was the U.S. Open at Marion, outside Philadelphia. I grew up in Pennsylvania, and it was my first major that I ever covered. I've been covering the Deutsche Bank and the Travelers uh, up here in New England for the last few years. But to cover a major, and it was my first USGA event as opposed to PGA, was just spectacular. I don't think uh, I'll ever forget walking in the media center. It was uh, you're not in Kansas anymore moment. Uh, it was just spectacular. The course was spectacular. The city of Philadelphia, equally spectacular. And just just a wonderful weekend last June, returning to my home state and really just... Uh, you know, enjoying it immensely. It reminded me a little of the Ryder Cup uh, at the Country Club up here in Boston in 99. And by that, I just mean, you know, that Northeast sports fan bravado. And the Philly fans were exactly as you would expect the Philly fans to be at a golf course. Uh, no different than the Chicago fans were uh, at Medina for this past Ryder Cup. So it was just... Uh, Really special, and I look forward to hopefully doing many, many more. Another sport that I covered that was really interesting and got me excited for the World Cup was I covered the USA-Costa Rica uh, match in Hartford, Connecticut at UConn's Rensselaer Field, and that was awesome. Uh, I later ended up covering the Michigan-UConn football game uh, just a couple of months ago at the same field, and that was unbelievable as UConn uh, hung with the big boys right till the very end, but seeing Michigan uh, up close in person was tremendous, to say the least. Uh, it was a memorable year for many, many games. I mean, I already talked about the Bruins game, games I should say, both the Toronto Game 7 as well as the Blackhawks Game 6. Uh, another game not to be uh, forgotten is, of course, the epic Miami Heat comeback down uh, 5, I believe, with 28 seconds to go uh, against the San Antonio Spurs. That game looked over, and... Uh, the Miami Heat showed they are true champions uh, in winning their second in a row. Of course, it was capped by Ray Allen's unforgettable three-pointer. I covered Ray Allen and the Celtics up here the past number of years. I also was lucky enough to cover in the previous year, 2012, spring of 2012, the uh, epic Miami Heat Celtic series, the one where in Game 6 as Boston prepared to win that series and have 
yet another massive celebration. Uh, you talk about everybody showing up at the Boston Garden ready for, for a party. That was that game six. And, of course, LeBron James that night, it was the defining moment of his career in my mind. He became otherworldly, took over the game from the opening tap, and uh, and basically he uh, scored 45 points, a whole lot of rebounds. He just completely dominated the game, and that, of course, ended with uh, a standing ovation for the Celtics as they were losing by 20, 30 points in the last minute or two, headed to Game 7 in Miami. And they played a great game, but, of course, could not... Uh, could not pull it out. They again, uh, the younger legs caught up with them and passed them uh, in the fourth quarter of that game. And Miami went on to, of course, win that title. Then they won this past title. So, all credit to the Heat. They are impressive. We've been lucky enough to have Eric Reed, the uh, TV announcer for the Miami Heat, on the show a couple times. So it has been uh, spectacular. And uh, with that said, uh, those are kind of my highlights, both personal and in a big picture way, of 2013. Been a fabulous year. And now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. Next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., uh, happy holidays to you, and thanks for joining us as always. Yes, good to be here, John. Happy holiday to you and all the all the guests and the audience, and uh, really have enjoyed the year. It's, I can't believe it's coming to a close. It, it is hard to believe. Uh, well, I started off my show, as I pretty much do every year this week, and uh, talking about my highlights, low light, and bizarre news items from the past year, and I'm guessing maybe you might have uh, some thoughts on that, too. So let me turn it over to you and see, uh, see what you'd like to share with the audience as you think back on 2013. Yeah, John, the year opened for me down in Miami, Florida, and Alabama was facing uh, an undefeated Notre Dame team that, you know, they were had a rejuvenation with their program, and, and Alabama and Notre Dame, two of the biggest names in college football, were competing in that BCS National Championship game, and I think after the second drive, everybody knew what the outcome would be, and Alabama won in a dominating fashion, so that was definitely the highlight for me. Uh, from the year to, to see those, you know, it's always nice to see uh, two blue-blooded teams get together. And uh, although it was uh, boring on one side, it was jubilation on the other because it kind of erased many of the sins of the past for the Alabama fans who had so many one, two, three-point losses to Notre Dame in uh, you know championship games and bowl games. And quite a highlight that was. And let me chime in that a highlight for me that night was uh, as I'm watching the post game. There you are, as big as life on national television, on the post-game, on-field interviews. It was either Barrett Jones or A.J. McCarron. I'm not sure which, but you were standing just right there in the background, and you were getting serious airtime. I mean, you were on, and I know you were getting texts and everything. I may have been one of them texting you, whatever, but... I, it was just, you know, I was starting to, to drift off a bit, and all of a sudden, there you are, and I, it just jolted me right back awake, and, uh, <laughs> and and I know you got a lot of feedback on that, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was a shock to everyone to see me up there, but I tell everybody I have to use all my basketball skills to, to get in amongst the crowd, and uh, I sure was glad uh, to be uh, within proximity of Barrett Jones, because I said all year that that was the best offensive line in the history of Alabama football and Barrett of course was the leader and I was so glad to get his quotes that I was able to use in the story and, and uh, it was fitting that he he was interviewed at the end of the game because you know he was a leader uh, as an All-American football player and academically he, he received uh, the accolades at the uh, National Football Foundation banquet in December. Right, not to mention that near the end of that game, he and A.J. McCarron had, you know, a, a famous row, shall we say, that at the time seemed fairly bizarre. You talk, we talked bizarre, but yet 
as it turned out, everybody, including Saban, all said, you know, they, they loved it. It was really representing what Alabama was all about, which was, you know, playing 60 minutes of football, no matter what the score, even, and, uh, and, and the, that's why he was being interviewed. I mean, he, he became a bit of a star that night as a result of that, and, uh, so I'm sure you remember that as well. Yeah, and John, that story has taken a life of its own because yes, that, absolutely. that was played for the New York Yankees. Uh, the New York Yankee manager said, now that's the passion I want on this, this New York Yankee team. And he, he played that for, his, for, for the players. Correct. I mean, again, at that moment, I think there was a bit of a negative backlash. But as time has unfolded, you know, starting pretty soon thereafter, if not like the, that very night, because um, fans didn't know what to make of it, myself included. I mean, you're watching it and you're like, "What? What's going on? They're up by thirty, whatever." And uh, <laughs> yeah. but yet, clearly, as the year has gone by, everybody has chimed in and said, like you said about the New York Yankees, that you know, that's what coaches are looking for. That's what teams are looking for. That's what sports is all about. Just you know, play it to the end, do it right, and yeah. they did it that night. Yeah, coaches are always looking for antidotes and motivational uh, experiences that they can uh, preach to their team. So it's it's really funny because that spring Saban went down and spoke to the New York Yankees, and and then through the year uh, the Yankee manager came to visit Alabama during one of his off days with his son, and then Joe and, Girardi. Uh, yeah, Joe Girardi. So you know, there's like this symbiotic relationship between those two organizations. Well. Can't think of two better. Uh, you, you, you talk winning in America in sports, and you know on everybody's short list, and I mean everybody. Or clearly, you know New York Yankees and Alabama football. Uh, but you know, and we're so lucky to have you on. I mean, you're covering you know one of the great uh, dynasties during one of the great runs in their glorious history. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure you have you know. Some low lights as well, and, and bizarre news items. So we'd love to get your thoughts on that as well, AP. Oh yeah, and there's no question the low light was kind of a very easy choice <laughs> for me, uh, being on the sideline at the end of the Alabama Auburn game, and uh, one second on the clock, and the Alabama field goal kicker Griffith attempted a 56-57 yarder, and as I'm watching it veer to the right, slightly short. And my my uh, lens, and I'm I'm taping with my my telephone the video. I see the Auburn player Chris Davis reach up and get the ball, and then headed down the sideline. And the game was not over until he crossed the goal line for the winning points in the most unbelievable play I've ever witnessed in person, and I've seen many many games. Yes, most unbelievable play, clearly, in my mind, in the history of college football. I'm, you know, proud to say that I texted that within five seconds after he crossed the goal line uh, to a, to someone, I, to a relative I was texting with during the fourth quarter of that game, and just, uh, that was my instant thought. Great, uh, what I texted was, greatest play in the history of college football, and uh it may not be your greatest, but it was certainly the most unbelievable. Um, now, you were, of course, Chris Davis went down the left sideline, at least as you were watching on TV. Right. You were on the opposite sideline, about the 20-yard line, correct? Yes, I was. I was shooting diagonally behind the kicker. And uh, when I had my, looking through my lens there, I 
was following, and I'm thinking, well, the game might be over. I kind of even dropped it slightly, and then I realized that he was still running down the sideline. So I had to gather myself and put put up the camera again and follow him down the sideline, unfortunately. Uh, so that's a, a nightmare that will live forever. Well, I can't wait to see you because I'm dying to see that video. <laughs> yeah. uh, don't delete. <laughs> um, yeah. To say the least. Uh, yep, yeah, well, again, you know, by any standard, uh, you know, if I had to pick the game of the year, play of the year, whatever, that, that's the hands-down winner. I don't think anybody would dispute that. It goes far beyond the context of college football and its history. It was just simply uh, – a moment. It's a remember where you were moment. Obviously, you will have, <laughs> never have a problem with that. But I think everybody will. You know, in the world of sports, you're just always going to remember where you were. Uh, yeah. Uh, John, you know, I figured the Stanford-Cal game has been played for the last, I guess it's 31 years now. And that was a game, be, uh, you know, I don't think Stanford played in a bowl game when John, El- John Elway was there. And I don't think California played in that year. I'm not sure, but... It was the magnitude of the Alabama Auburn game this year was uh, so uh, so uh, you know consequential to both teams that uh, that's why I, I I agree with you really it may be the greatest play in college football history history right absolutely because it's because of the con- because of what it meant I mean you know the whole country was waiting for it it was you know. Uh, Alabama, of course, trying to become the first team in the modern era to win three national championships in a row. It was the Iron Bowl, considered by many the best rivalry in all of college football. And then what really I thought gave it the juice in the final uh, week or two leading up to it, not that it needed any, but two weeks prior to that in Auburn's previous game, they had won on a miracle play in that very stadium, (laughs) Stadium. When, you know, the guy caught the uh, immaculate deflection, as it's being called. So, you know, you just had a lot of elements at work where, you know, not only did, of course, that play against Georgia make the Auburn players certainly believe they could beat Alabama, uh, you know, uh, the rest of the, it got everybody's attention enough. People like me, where I said, wow, geez, you know. I would have tuned in anyway, obviously, but I think even Fringe fans after that play against Georgia just said, well, you got to at least tune it in, and boy, you know, you turned on that Iron Bowl. You did not turn it off. That was just riveting from the opening kickoff through the final kickoff. Yeah, there's no question about it, John. Uh, That game, there's been many good ones uh, between Alabama and Auburn. That one was is number one in my book. I mean, it it trumps anything that's happened in the history of that series. I mean, I think I told you before, forty one years ago, the fellow from the same high school as Chris Davis returned two block punts, and Alabama was on their way to a possible national championship, and uh, you know deflated the the, the uh, Crimson Tide for about you know the last forty year forty one years they've been playing that tape. So now this one will replace that one, and it's from, went from punt, Bama punt to kick, Bama kick. Yes, exactly. Uh, and, you know, not to mention, and let's be clear here, Alabama has, you know, not dominated or owned the Iron Bowl series, but clearly uh, they've won a lot more than Auburn has. But yet, you know, the Cam Newton game a few years back is one that nobody will ever forget, as well as Alabama held, I believe, 
a 24 nothing lead, which I was thinking of the night just a few weeks back when, you know, the exact same score that, of course, the Broncos were ahead of the Patriots at halftime when the Patriots come back in that bitter cold at Gillette Stadium right down the road from me uh, just, a, you know, a number of weeks ago. So that game was also memorable, but there have been just so many. And, again, many more Alabama wins than Auburn wins. But uh, let me ask you this. So if Auburn wins the national championship, and we're going to get into discuss some of the bowls that are coming up uh, here as the show moves along. That will mean an, a team from Alabama, either Alabama or Auburn, would have won the national championship four, five years in a row? That'd be five years, John. Oh, my uh, gosh. I mean, that's amazing. A, I mean, for a state of about four and a half million, five million, to have achieved such uh, excellence in college football, I thought it might be, let's say, Florida, Florida State, Miami. Uh, California, maybe Texas, but I just don't see that being duplicated if Auburn wins that title. Right. Well, you're, forget, you're, you're forgetting one big one that I uh, that I grew up with that we had a similar run right uh, in, in Pennsylvania back in the early '80s. Yes. When Dan Marino was the pit quarterback, and you know Penn State was always the dominant team uh, of that series, no different than Alabama is over mm-hmm. Auburn, but uh, certainly, you know, it had their moments, like 1976 with Tony Dorsett. But for three years running in the early 80s, the either Pitt or Penn State was ranked number one going into that game, and very similar to the Iron Bowl of recent years where, you know, the winner basically, you know, the national championship was... Uh, generally at stake and or, you know, how it was all going to play out beyond those two teams. But, you know, that was the impact game. Oh, oh yeah, they had a, a flock of NFL-caliber-type uh, players on both of those teams. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually what really launched it, you'll remember, I mean, better than anyone, is just, you know, the famous, famous 79 Mike Gooman goal line stand loss when Penn State lost to Alabama in the national championship game when Mike Gooman, the Pennsylvania <laughs> running back, was stopped at the goal line and all that, uh, Paterno versus Bear Bryant. But that game, even though Penn State lost, is what kind of launched into, you know, the whole sort of Pitt-Penn State era where the next few years, you know, Penn State was right there. I mean, they were on a, you know, they had a nice run, obviously, over decades, uh, but, you know, that, that was, again, they were in the national championship mix or and or number one at the end of the season, you know, the late season games every year. So, you know, clearly Alabama, Auburn in the last five years have surpassed what was going on with Penn State, Pitt, what have you in those days. Uh, I, 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 it's the greatest run by, quote, a state, clearly. And, you, you know, I don't have to even ask the question. It's no other state's ever won. Five in a row. No, and and I think, yeah, and and John, uh, from Auburn's perspective, not winning a conference game and then having a brand-new coach, even though he was offensive coordinator when they won the title, but to be thrust into the supposedly best league, you're handed the keys to the program and said, okay, now go win, and you're on the precipice of winning a national championship. John, that story, you can't make it up in Hollywood, right? No, and you can't make up the last two games endings for Auburn 
And they also had one earlier in the year, uh, a last-minute victory. Uh, so, yeah, they're having the all-time Hollywood season in the history, again, in the history of college football, really, the way it's playing out. Yeah. And, and that, that, yeah, they're unbelievable the way this, I mean, the Auburn people, they must feel like they're, they were cursed one year and blessed the next. Correct, correct. And let me just finalize it by saying, you know, Auburn didn't win an SEC game last year. They hired Gus Malzone as their coach. He, of course, was the offensive coordinator when Cam Newton was there a few years ago. He was the assistant. So he returns and, you know, just begins the storybooks, you know, that we're seeing unfold before our very eyes and is going to play out uh, its final chapter the night of Monday, January 6th in, you know, Pasadena, which against the Heisman Trophy winner in Florida State, a team that I got to see against Boston College, that has basically hasn't even been challenged. Turns out BC gave them their best game of the year. I, little did I know at the time, but I did wake up on that beautiful morning in October and said, <laughs> I had no plans, and I said, hey, what the heck, I'm going to drive 20 minutes to Boston College and go check out this team and this quarterback, and boy, am I glad I did the way it's turned out. <laughs> you picked the right game, you sure did, John. I sure did. It's not, you know, hey, it's not every year you get to go see the Heisman Trophy winner in person. And I got to see at the end of the first half his signature play of the year, which was the Hail Mary at the end of the first half that basically ended that game. BC was hanging with him, leading at one point by 10 or 14. And Cam Cam Newton, uh, Jameis Winston hits that pass to end the first half, the Hail Mary, 55 yards, I believe. And uh, game over, right then and there, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of magical moments with, with Auburn's name attached to those. Right, exactly. So, well, I'm glad we got to spend a little time talking about uh, the national championship, but there's plenty of other bowls being played out, and uh, why don't we take our break now? And on the other side, you and I will talk about some of the more interesting bowls uh, coming up during this bowl season. Sounds good. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app. 
if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome to the final segment of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. Back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., I closed the previous segment talking about having had the good fortune to see Heisman winner Jameis Winston beat Boston College last October. And But you were actually at the Heisman ceremony, or, the, well, you covered the Heisman last week uh, in New York City. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? How was that? Yeah, John, it was another great event. Uh, I think everyone had figured out that Jameis Winston was going to be a landslide winner, but for me it was kind of interesting to see who would come in second. And uh, it just turned out that A.J. McCarron was the highest finish ever by an Alabama quarterback or anyone ever not to win the Heisman for Alabama. Mark Ingram was the only winner from the school, and uh, David Palmer was third in 1993, and then there was about four quarterbacks who tied, who, who, were, who were fifth place finishers through the years. Harry Gilmer was fifth twice, uh, Pat Tremel 61, uh, Terry Davis, and uh, Jay Barker. So I was really thrilled for A.J. and his family that he came in second, even though he was, it was a distant second, it was and it was his first trip to New York, and he's a New York Yankee fan, so he really uh, had, had a great weekend. But Jameis Winston was the overall uh, landslide winner. It was predicted by most people be, because I don't think we've ever seen somebody, uh, maybe just so old Johnny Manziel, uh, have a season as a richer freshman like Jameis Winston. Well, absolutely. Uh, well, I'm glad you got to cover that. It's, it's great, and... Uh... A.J. McCarron has one more game as Alabama quarterback and, you know, to, to cap off his remarkable career, one of the great college football careers in history, easily, uh, one of the all-time winners. So they're going to be taking on Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. What are your thoughts about that game? Yeah, I, um, I think it's when you look at any of these bowl games, John, the first thing you have to consider is the motivation of the team. And and maybe the situation for Alabama is very similar to when Jay Barker was a senior and he went to New York and he was a fifth-place finisher uh, in the Heisman voting, but they lost the SEC championship to Florida in a close game. But they wanted to finish strong because they they were to have a four year uh, win one loss record that was unparalleled in the school history. So 
I think uh, it's very similar for AJ, the strong leader that they want to com- complete their careers. Uh, he's the offensive leader, and then CJ Mosley is the defensive leader for Alabama, both seniors, both All Americans, first team All Americans. So I, I, I think they're going to play well, and uh, you know I look for them to defeat Oklahoma. But it's it's interesting, John, because. You know the shots were fired over the over the summertime from Bob Stoops about the SEC not being the strongest conference. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of chatter and regurgitation of those uh, you know thoughts with the press and the media about. And I'm sure Oklahoma players are going to get tired of hearing about the strength of Alabama. So both teams are highly motivated. Absolutely. Well. Uh, that's an interesting fact. I, and I'm sure many others, kind of forgot about that. But we don't cover college football quite as closely as you do. Uh, and speaking of the SEC, another interesting game is uh, last year's Heisman Trophy winner, Johnny Manziel, leading Texas A&M against Duke this year's unlikely ACC championship game uh, contender. So what are your thoughts about that? That, that? that could be intriguing if only for, you know, Johnny Manziel's, uh, uh, like A.J. McCarron, likely, you know, his last college game. I think that's fairly obvious. Yeah, I'm really excited to see those two offensive teams get together. They might have to uh, have some extra light bulbs for that scoreboard because I don't think either one of them could play defense. I think A&M ended up like 106th the worst of all the teams in the bowl game, the 70 bowl teams. So that should be quite interesting. To say the least, and Duke, uh, what can you say? They ran up against a juggernaut, you know, in the ACC title game, that being Florida State. uh, So they were just smoked, and we really didn't get to see their offense. Uh, Some NFL types have said there might be eight NFL draft prospects on that Florida State defense. So uh, that aside, I think we're going to get a chance to see the Duke offense uh, score some points against A&M in their defense, obviously. Oh, yeah, and, that, and that's usually a pretty good game, um, the Chick-fil-A bowl game. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching. That's one of the games that I'm going to try to watch. Yeah, that'll be a good one. And another good one, uh, you know, I had referenced earlier, watching Florida State play Boston College. Uh, and Boston College, of course, had Andre Williams, their uh, star running back who gained 2,000 yards. Uh, he was a Heisman finalist as well. Spectacular season. And they're playing Arizona, who also has quite a running game and a running back themselves. Yeah, there's Arizona's Kadeem Carey. He's 156 yards a game. And Andre Williams, 175 yards a game. And... So that's almost, they're combined for almost 4,000 yards rushing. So they had 17 touchdowns apiece, 34 touchdowns. So if, if you're a fan of the blocking and, and runners, you'll enjoy that matchup for sure. Yes, and another matchup that I'm looking forward to, but I look forward to it every year. It's not even so much the teams as the, the game, because I, I, I went to the, the game in 1995, uh, the Rose Bowl. And I like this because, you know, Michigan State versus Stanford. Uh, you know, Michigan State, obviously, we, you know, they put on a show, especially that defense in defeating Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game out in Indianapolis. I mean, that was really, really impressive. Without that, you know, there's no Auburn in the national championship game, as we all know. And Stanford, 
What can you say about Stanford? They've just become the uh, elite out of the Pac-12, and they are now just you know a major BCS player. You're in, you're out. They're 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 awesome. Yeah, yeah, they're on fire with that program, John. I mean, they, yes, they have they a coveted coach, David Shaw, and they have a, a game that's that NFL style, power running, and throw to the tight end, and, and tough interior defense, and a good front seven. So I know that those fans are really excited to be, you know, playing in the Rose Bowl. And this, what is this? Is this the, um, the second or third time in a row, or something of that nature? So. It's unfamiliar territory. I think the last time they they had this many uh, trips to the Rose Bowl was maybe seventy seventy one with Plunkett one year, and I think it was Don Bunce, and they had some incredible victories over Ohio State and Michigan. I think it was. Yes, and Stanford, uh, yeah, and Michigan State. They haven't been there for a while. They have great fans, you know. So they're, they're going to bring a lot of juice, a lot of energy. Out to Pasadena for that game. I'm sure they're, you know, what did I hear that someone, a bank or something, was offering Michigan State students like thousand dollar loans if they wanted to go to the game? I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a lot of people taking them up on that, and well, they should because I myself in 1995 said, you know, Penn State makes it. When Penn State makes it, this was after they joined the Big Ten. I got to be there for their when they get finally get to the Rose Bowl. They did. I was there. One of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Oh, yeah. No, you'll, you'll never regret it. Uh, it's, it's a great time out in Pasadena, the parade and all the pageantry. And and uh, the, the fans really will love the weather being from Michigan. So I don't, I don't see any negatives about making the trip west. There really aren't. There really aren't. And, you know, uh, the parade in the morning, tailgating in the afternoon, cookout. I went to a Penn State cookout with uh, 20,000 people. <laughs> um, in the shadow of the Rose Bowl, literally looking right at the Ro- on Jackie Robinson Field, oh the baseball field, looking right at the Rose Bowl. It was truly one of the great sport days, you know, ever. Uh, it should be on every sports fan's bucket list, and uh, I think that's just going to be a great game. Uh, another game, you know, in the other big bowl that we all grew up with, you know, uh, the Orange Bowl. Uh, what, what can you say? It's Ohio State, Clemson, but you know, two big names, but yet Ohio State coming off that literally gut wrenching, heart heartbreaking, but not gut wrenching. I mean, uh, yeah, too, John, but once again, you got to look at that motivation. Is Ohio State so <clears throat> deflated that they won't show right. up for that game? Will be excited to play a Clemson team that lost by a big score. I think if it was a fifty-two to seven, fifty-four to seven at home to Florida State. I exactly. think Clemson still, as every year, they have a lot to prove. And uh, they, Taj Boyd, he set so many records at Clemson. I mean, threw a hundred and something touchdown passes. So I, I don't know. I think Clemson's going to be fired up for that game. Oh, I think so too. You know, the thing about Clemson was, you know, they were as high as, if I'm not mistaken, number three in the country early on. They beat Georgia yeah. in, you know, one of the opening games of the year. Everybody's excited. Florida State just comes in and absolutely smokes them. I mean, it was, uh, you know, I forget the details, but it seemed like it was about 31 nothing at halftime, and, I, you know, I, I was just switched to another game, as did a lot of people. Yeah. And yeah. I, 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 That might be one of the biggest surprise games of the year, maybe that game. The thing about that game that I'm always going to never has a team with that high ranking, in my mind, been so written off. Oh. From that moment on, you didn't hear the name Clemson again. No. That was it. No, <laughs> you know? no, I know it. 
And, you uh, just didn't. No, they set so many offensive records, but that night, I mean, one touchdown, that speaks volumes for Florida State. It does. You know, I, I, that game had a lot of hype. And, yeah. pe- again, people just, you know, th- this all happened, of course, in Death Valley, Clemson's home field. And, uh, again, people just wrote them off. I mean, I, I don't really remember too many teams being completely written off that early in the season uh, after you know, just getting smoked at home. I mean, that was it for them. And but yet here they are, yeah, uh, in the Orange Bowl. You know, so you know, give them a little credit. I mean, they they, they kind of you know had a good season. There's no denying that. For, no, but that game no. sticks with everybody. No, and and John, those teams have only played one other time in history. And for those of you of a certain age, you recall that Woody Hayes. Uh, hit one of the Clemson players when he was talking on the sideline on an interception, and he was fired the next day. Wow. Well, that's a great that's a great pickup on your part. Charlie Bauman was the guy he hit. Uh, none of us will ever forget it who saw it. I mean, I, <laughs> I was watching on TV like millions of others, and it was just the all-time crash and burn of a legendary career in sports history, period. Yeah, yeah, it sure was, and it was in the it was in the Gator Bowl, so it was in Florida as yep. well. Yep, yep, I was living in Florida actually when that happened. Um, <laughs> well, it just is, uh, you know, it's going to be another great bowl season, uh, and you know, those those are some, you know, they're all all these games, you know, have their certain, uh, you know. Reasons for watching. There are various angles. You pointed out, as always, a couple of new and unique and fresh ones that I didn't know about. I'm guessing our listeners didn't know about. And uh, so you just made bowl season a little more interesting for all of us, AP. Yeah, it's always fun around this time of year. I really enjoy it. I think it's my favorite time of year, really, uh, outside of the snow and the weather. But uh, I enjoy all these matchups in the bowl games. Oh, definitely. There's just nothing like it. Well, AP, once again, always good to review the year. Uh, look ahead to, you know, the most interesting bowl games. And, uh, again, thanks for joining us today. Your perspective, as always, very welcome. Uh, John, thank you very much, and, and happy holidays to you and your family and uh, the audience that's listening. Well, thank you. Happy holidays to everyone, and thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.